Blue Shirts fans to episode number 204 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. Got a big show for you guys today. We're going to be breaking down all of the results from the NHL awards last night, including our Temi Panarin uh, missing out on both the Hart Trophy as well as the Ted Lindsay Award. And we're also going to get into the latest on Vitaly Kravtsov. He has just been ridiculous in the KHL. That's obviously great news for the Rangers and for Ranger fans alike. And we will also talk a little bit about Game 2 of the Stanley Cup Finals last night. The Tampa Bay Lightning, of course, evening the series at one game apiece after holding off the Stars for a tense 3-2 3-2 victory, but we're going to start with the results from the NHL awards and going to devote a good chunk of the episode to this topic because there is a lot to cover, a lot to get to here, and I'm not going to go on some crazy rant about how, oh, Artemi Panarin got screwed and how could he possibly miss out on both these awards and this and that. Uh, I said all along and in yesterday's episode as well that I think Artemi Panarin is the best choice for the Hart Trophy just based on the definition of what the Hart Trophy is made to represent and who it's supposed to go to. And who it's supposed to go to is the player that is deemed, and I cannot stress this enough, the most valuable to his team. The guy who's completely indispensable, the guy where if you took him out of the equation, his team is going to be in big, big trouble. And to me, nobody personified that award more than Artemi Panarin this season. Now, I understand Leon Draisaitl had a fantastic season. He won both the Hart Memorial Trophy as well as the Ted Lindsay Award. Uh, Nathan McKinnon had a fantastic season for the Avalanche as well. All three of these guys more than worthy of being nominees for the award. I just think that when it comes down to most valuable, that's where Artemi Panarin has the edge. Now, as far as where Leon Draisaitl had the edge, he had the big edge in the point department. He was the only player in the NHL this season to crack the 100-point plateau. He had 110 points. Artemi Panarin had 95. Nathan McKinnon had 93. And Draisaitl had a 13-point lead on the second place finisher in the point statistic, which was actually Connor McDavid, his teammate, who had 97 points. So that's why I was okay with Dreisaitl winning the Ted Lindsay Award. And in fact, I think he's even the best choice for the Ted Lindsay Award. Uh, There is the issue of the plus minus. And again, I'm not the biggest plus minus stat ever, but we're going to dive into that a little deeper in just a couple of minutes here. There is a stat that's going to blow your mind really on, uh, on the plus minus situation as it pertains to somebody winning the Hart Trophy. But I also cannot ignore the 110 points, and so I totally understand why Dreisaitl uh, wins the Ted Lindsay Award, which again goes to the most outstanding player. doesn't have anything to do with how valuable you are to your team. It's basically just who's the most awesome player on the ice. And if you want to give that to Leon Dreisaitl, hey, no arguments for me. Uh, I still think Artemi Panarin would have been the best choice for the Hart Memorial Trophy, but it didn't work out. And again, look, there's three phenomenal players to choose between. They all had fantastic seasons. Uh, one of them's going to win, and two of them are going to lose. It's kind of just that simple. And really, I mean, nobody loses here. They, they are being recognized as basically the three best players in the sport for this past season, uh, given that all three of them were nominated for both the Hart and the Ted Lindsay. But another important distinction I just wanted to throw out there, the Ted Lindsay Award is voted on by the players, the Hart Trophy voted on by the hockey writers. And so very impressive. You got to give props to Leon Dreisaitl. He cleaned up in both categories. He obviously impressed his peers and impressed people who cover the sport as well. But as for the voting results for the Hart Trophy, uh, Leon Dreisaitl ended up with 
1,309 points. Nathan McKinnon was second with 1,162 points. And Artemi Panarin was third with 889 points. And if you're wondering uh, the first place votes and how this whole thing kind of works, everybody who votes here gets five votes. And you get to rank your top five picks numbers one, two, three, four, and five, and obviously the higher you rank them, the more points they accumulate. If you give somebody a first place vote, it's worth 10 points. If you give somebody a fifth place vote, on the other hand, it's only worth one point. You get the idea. Uh, the higher you rank somebody, the more points they accumulate. But as far as the first place votes were concerned, uh, Drysdale had 91 of them. Nathan McKinnon had 48. Artemi Panarin had 24. David Pasternak had three. Connor McDavid had one. And Connor Hellebuck also had three. So that's the top six in order. But as I was just talking about a minute ago, and it's a question I proposed on yesterday's episode as well, I was curious to know when was the last time a Hart Trophy winner had a negative plus minus? And I understand, you know, plus minus, it's a little bit of a flawed stat. It doesn't always tell the whole story. In fact, many times it does not tell the whole story. But I don't think it's a stat that should be completely brushed aside either. Because if you have a really impressive plus minus, hey, good things are happening when you're out there. If you have a really bad plus minus, uh, Maybe some bad things are happening when you're out there. Uh, I'm not going to go crazy if, you know, like say Artemi Panarin was a plus 21 and Leon Draisaitl was a plus 16. I'm not going to say, oh, wow, look at look at Panarin. He had a, a five-point lead there. He deserves to win uh, both of these awards just because of that. That's not what I'm saying. But the bottom line is Artemi Panarin was a plus 36 when it comes to this stat while Leon Dreisaitl was a minus seven. So I don't know that that's a stat that should be completely cast aside. And again, the question I wondered aloud yesterday, and I'm about to answer right now after all this buildup, is what is the last time that a Hart Trophy winner had a negative plus minus? It has never happened. Not once. Alex Ovechkin, there were a couple of close calls. Alex Ovechkin was only a plus two in 2012-2013. Uh, Stan Makita was actually a zero, a literal zero plus minus, same amount of goals for, same amount of goals against when he was on the ice for his team. But that was back in 1967-1968, and plus minus was not a tracked statistic until the 1959-1960 season. But yes, in the history of this award, no one has ever won it with a negative plus minus, at least that we know of. Because again, you know, this award, it's been presented since 1923-1924, but they didn't start keeping track of plus minus until 1959-1960. So yeah, Leon Dreisaitl, the first ever documented uh, negative as far as plus minus is concerned in the history of the award. Obviously, look, the points speak for themselves. I guess the people who voted on this, both the players as well as the writers, uh, they were able to kind of get their head around the fact that Leon Dreisel does not have a good plus minus and just look at the awards and the massive, I don't want to say massive, but a significant lead that he had in the point department over everybody else in the NHL. Again, Dreisel, 110 points. Uh, Connor McDavid was second with 97. Artane Panarin had 95. Nathan McKinnon had 93. So, Look, I'm not saying that it should have disqualified Leon Dreisaitl from consideration for either or both these awards, but it does make you raise your eyebrows a little bit, doesn't it? When you've got Artemi Panarin, again, plus 36, Leon Dreisaitl, uh, minus 7, and the simple fact that no one has ever been a negative and won the Hart Trophy Awards. So, yeah, I mean, food for thought. Again, you know, I can't argue with a guy who has a 110-point season, but Artemi Panarin still would have been my choice. And maybe I'm a little bit biased. I mean... This is the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. After all, we're all Ranger fans here. I assume at least most of us are big-time Ranger fans that are tuned into this podcast today. But I got to give the award to Artemi Panarin if it was up to me. But it's not up to me. Uh, He'll have to settle for third place. And 
just an incredibly tremendous season. I'm not going to go through all the stats again. I did that yesterday. I've done that in some other recent episodes as well. But, man, I just can't wait to see what he can do for an encore because it's so easy to forget. He made such an impact so quickly and so forcefully with this Ranger team that it's so easy to forget that this was his first year with the Rangers, and he comes in with expectations being sky high. Again, you know, it's things that I've covered in the past, but he's out there with Ryan Stroman, Jesper Foss for most of the season. And, I mean, give credit to them as well. You know, they pulled their weight at least, but he's not exactly out there with perennial All-Stars, and he just has one of the best seasons in the history of the New York Rangers. It's really as simple as that. And, yeah, I think he got snubbed just a little bit, but I can't go crazy about it either because he was up against two other uh, very deserving finalists for both of these awards. Today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by rockauto.com. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it is now impossible to stock all the parts you need in a traditional chain storefront. Why endure often pointless and seemingly intimidating questioning, like, is your Odyssey an LX or an EX, and have to wait while the counterman orders the parts on his computer, choosing the only brand his warehouse just happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Why choose to spend 30%, 50%, 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or new car dealership? RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are reliably low. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. For anyone who might be upset that Artemi Panarin did not win either or both the Hart Trophy or the Ted Lindsay Award, we do have a little bit of a consolation prize for you guys. Uh, Artemi Panarin did make it to the NHL's first all-star team as the left winger for the 2019-2020 season. He is just the second left wing in Ranger history to be named to the NHL's first all-star team. The other was Lynn Patrick in 1941-1942. And the NHL does two of these teams. Uh, There's the first all-star team and the second all-star team, basically just a starting lineup for each. And Panarin is the first left winger to be named to either of these teams since Adam Graves was a member of the second team in 1993-1994. And we all know what happened that season. Big year for the Rangers that year. Finally, Panarin is the first Ranger to be named to either of the NHL's all-star teams since Henrik Lundqvist was a second-teamer in 2012-2013. Uh, Panarin easily defeated Brad Marchand for the honor. Panarin had 823 points. Marchand had to settle for being part of the NHL's second all-star team with 354 points in the voting. So very, very cool to see Artemi Panarin uh, get some well-deserved recognition here. Uh, truly one of the fantastic seasons in Ranger history. He did miss out on the two big awards, but Artemi Panarin is indeed your NHL first all-star team left winger, just an absolutely phenomenal season. If you're wondering about the rest of the first team, uh, beyond Panarin, you've got David Pasternak at right wing, Leon Draisaitl at center, John Carlson and Roman Yossi as the defenseman, and Connor Hellebuck as the goalie. And as for the second team, you've got Nathan McKinnon centering Brad Marchand and Nikita Kucherov. And then on defense, you've got Victor Hedman and Alex Angelo. And the goalie for the second team is Tuka Rask. And we're not done with the awards yet. There's a little bit more to cover. Uh, a lot of people 
myself included, I would say, I mean, it's kind of borderline, but uh, people generally felt that Adam Fox was snubbed in the Calder Trophy category and that he should have at least been a nominee. Maybe not necessarily the winner. You know, we had Vince Mercagliano on here who covers the Rangers for Lohud.com as well as a number of other publications. And he opined that, you know, he thought maybe Adam Fox should have been in the race here, at least one of the three finalists for the Calder Trophy. Alas, Fox was not one of the three finalists, but if anyone wants a quick refresher on Adam Fox's numbers for the season, he scored eight goals and 34 assists in 70 games as a rookie, uh, a plus minus of plus 22. But beyond that, I mean, just the eye test. You guys saw Adam Fox this year. You know, he really established himself as a force on both sides of the ice and really became the best defenseman on the Rangers. Uh, that trade that sent Fox from the Hurricanes to the Rangers in exchange for a second round draft pick is looking like an absolute steal. Uh, we'll see what the Canes do with that pick because it's actually a pick for this year's draft, the 2020 NHL draft. It's a second rounder. It is the number 41 overall pick. But I'm sitting here willing to bet that whomever they pick probably won't be as good as Adam Fox. And of course, you never know. Maybe the Canes knock it out of the park and they get a guy who goes on to make 10 all-star teams. But I'll take my chances with Adam Fox going forward rather than whomever uh, the Canes select at number 41 overall this season. As far as Fox potentially being snubbed, I think Kale McCarr of the Avs and Quinn Hughes of the Canucks each had to be nominated. Uh, they are both defensemen. They had 50 and 53 points, respectively. McCarr ended up winning the award, but could Fox have maybe been the third nominee over Dominic Kubalik of the Blackhawks? Uh, maybe. You know, it's a little bit of a toss-up. Kubalik had 46 points this season, so he did have Fox beat in that category. Although, you got to remember, Kubalik is a left winger, and the rest of these guys are all defensemen, so he didn't really have Fox beat by a significant margin in that category, only by five points, despite playing, obviously, a position which lends itself to scoring points more than defensemen does. Uh, but for anyone wondering about the way the voting went here for the uh, uh, Calder Trophy, Kale McCarr got 1,538 voting points, including 116 of the 170 first place votes. Quinn Hughes was second with 1,337 points. As far as the first place votes are concerned, he got 53. Uh, Kubalik was third with 554 points. Zero first place votes for Kubalik. And Adam Fox was fourth. He had 430 points and one first place vote. Uh, who knows? Maybe this is more motivation for Adam Fox next season. I really don't think Adam Fox is the guy that needs to be motivated. He looked plenty motivated to me to uh, make an impact in his rookie NHL season and make sure he stuck with the New York Rangers. Just a fantastic season on both sides of the ice. Ranger fans have every right to be very, very excited about having this guy on our side for hopefully many, many years going forward. Basically just took the league by storm and again, established himself as one of the premier young defensemen in this game. Uh, but if he feels he was snubbed and you know he's not going to just come out and say it, players typically don't do that. That. but maybe he does and maybe he wants to go on and, and just be even better next season again I think Fox is plenty motivated without the idea of well I wasn't a finalist for the Calder Trophy uh, but who knows maybe this just lights even more of a fire inside of Adam Fox and we get an even better player next season because it's scary to think how much better Adam Fox can get you guys saw him this season uh, the other thing that kind of worked against him a little bit is he didn't get as much time on the power play as much as some of these other guys received, uh, Kale McCarr and Quinn Hughes specifically, because obviously the Rangers, you know, they've got defensemen like Jacob Truba, Tony D'Angelo, both those guys played quite a bit on the power play. Uh, Adam Fox got some time, but did not get nearly as much as Kale McCarr or Quinn Hughes, and might have had a little bit more time on the man advantage uh, were it not for the presence of Jacob Truba and Tony D'Angelo. Now, 
D'Angelo had a great season, breakout season, and Truba was solid, you know, maybe a little bit underwhelming first season with the Rangers, especially when you consider how much money he's making, but it's good to have defensemen who can play on both ends of the ice, and, uh, you know, the Rangers uh, really kind of have an embarrassment of riches as far as offensive defensemen is concerned, and that's definitely a good thing and not a bad thing. We mentioned Tony D'Angelo just a second ago. He actually got a handful of votes in the Norris Trophy voting, which goes to the best defenseman in the league. It was won by Roman Yossi of the Nashville Predators. He had 1,499 points. Uh, John Carlson of the Capitals was second with 1,267 points. But Tony D'Angelo tied for 12th place in the vote alongside Miro Heiskanen of the Dallas Stars. Uh, each of them got five points, and to be exact, uh, each of them received one fourth place vote and two fifth place votes. So very cool to see D'Angelo recognize at least a little bit in what was definitely a breakout season for him. Uh, it is a little strange that D'Angelo got votes here and Adam Fox did not, but I think it's because D'Angelo had 53 points compared to 42 by Adam Fox. If you ask me which was the better all-around defenseman for the Rangers this past season, I would probably say Fox, but you know these three voters who had D'Angelo in the top five defensemen were probably a little bit enticed by the high point total, and that's fine. You know, 53 points from a defenseman is always going to stand out, and it's very cool to see D'Angelo get, like I said, at least a little bit of recognition here. Uh, we at least see his name on the ballot, so to speak. Some good news for you guys. Uh, we tend not to talk about COVID too much on this podcast. I mean, at times, obviously, it's going to be unavoidable because it's affecting the entire world, and that also includes the NHL and every sports league that there is. Uh, we try to stay away from it as much as possible on here just because I think people uh, turn to sports to kind of get away from that kind of stuff. But good news on that front, the NHL announced that there were no positive test results for COVID-19 during the eighth week of Phase 4 return to play. And there were 1,127 tests administered on a daily basis to all 52 members of team traveling parties during the period of September 13th to September 19th. So that continues the NHL's uh, very impressive streak of zero positive tests for COVID-19 since the teams entered the bubbles and plus the week prior to that. So again, just a fantastic job by the NHL. It's great to see that everybody's doing their part. Everybody's kind of playing by the rules and these players and the personnel and everybody else, the officials, everybody top to bottom, everybody's staying healthy. That's obviously fantastic news to hear. We only got about a week left to go. Uh, if there's a game seven of the Stanley Cup finals, it's going to be on next Wednesday. So we're down to, yeah, just over a week left, and so far, still no positive tests. Obviously, fingers crossed that that keeps up. We get through the NHL season, and COVID does not affect anything, and obviously, the bigger picture being that hopefully uh, COVID uh, dies down and uh, you know eventually just becomes a thing of the past. Uh, obviously, fingers crossed. This disease has certainly done enough damage, and I think all of us are going to be very, very happy uh, when it eventually becomes a thing of the past. Uh, one other thing I want to touch upon here toward the end of this episode is a little bit of an update on Vitaly Kravtsov. Uh, he has been just absolutely fantastic in the KHL this season playing for Tractor through the team's first seven games. Kravtsov has scored six goals. That kind of point production has been unheard of for him. Uh, really, ever since the Rangers drafted him, he didn't have a great season with the Hartford Wolfpack this past season as far as points are concerned. So it's very, very encouraging for the Rangers and for the fans that he's seemingly found that scoring touch, and he's been very willing to shoot as well. Again, six goals in his first seven games with the KHL. And in fact, Kravtsov's most recent game with Tractor just concluded as I'm recording this. Uh, he tied for a game high in today's game with three shots on goal, also skated in a season high 19 minutes and 
eight seconds of ice time. He led all fours in time on the ice in the contest. Uh, Krasov has either led all skaters in shots on goal or is tied for the game high in shots on goal in five of eight games this season. So again, just off to a great start. Uh, no goals today, but he just looks like a very confident player. You know, there was actually a highlight of a play where he did not score but, man, did he look dangerous on this. So, basically, he goes up the right wing with a head of speed, and he's left-handed. I'm going to try to describe this as best as I possibly can, but it's hard. It's one of those things you just might want to look up for yourself. Uh, but, basically, what he did was he's got the puck, and he is one-on-one -on -one with a defenseman, and he backhands the puck between his own legs and basically just lets the puck kind of move in front of him just a little bit, eventually uh, regains possession of it. But the defenseman didn't even know what hit him. I mean... Krasov went by him like he was standing still, and Krasov ends up getting a point-blank shot at the goalie. Goalie actually made a pretty nice save on it, but again, just a fantastic thing to see Krasov's skill on display as they were on this play. So he did not score, but man, I mean, what a move this was. It's one of those things you just got to look up for yourself. You can find it on Twitter. I believe Rick Carpaniello, who covers the New York Rangers, I believe he had a video of it. He retweeted it. Uh, just a, a sick move by Krasov, and obviously uh, great to see that he's off to a fast start with his KHL team, Tractor, and is looking like he has found that scoring touch that has thus far proven elusive uh, since the Rangers drafted him. But obviously, very encouraging news that Krasov is off to such a good start in the KHL. And then I just wanted to share some quick thoughts on Game 2 of the Stanley Cup Finals, which of course occurred last night, the Tampa Bay Lightning beating the Dallas Stars 3-2 to to even the series at one game apiece. And... You know, it's a good win for the Lightning, but I got to be honest, if I'm a Lightning fan, I might still be a little bit concerned uh, despite getting the win last night. Obviously, it's great to win. That's a huge win for them. There's a big difference between the series being tied at one and being down two games to nothing. So they won. They got the job done. They took care of business. Great. But the one issue here is that I think the Stars were clearly the better team for most of this game. And I missed a lot of the first period when the Lightning were scoring all their goals. I just happened to be working late. But... From what I saw here, so basically the Lightning, for anyone who missed it, they took a 3 to nothing lead. They scored three goals in less than four minutes in the first period. They got goals from Braden Point, Andrej Palat, and Kevin Shattenkirk, former New York Ranger. The first two of those occurred on the power play, and then Kevin Shattenkirk ultimately ends up with the game-winning goal. Uh, the Stars came back in the second period, a goal by Joe Pavelski. They also got a goal by Matthias Janmark in the third period, 527 into the third period. Again, the Lightning held them off. Uh, there was great goaltending on both sides of the ice, but the reason I'm a little bit concerned if I'm the Lightning is with the exception of those three or four minutes there where you scored your three goals, uh, you were mostly outplayed. And again, both goalies I thought were, were very good from what I saw in this game. Uh, the Lightning actually had a chance to make it 4-2. In fact, for a second, it looked like they did make it 4-2 about midway through the third period, but the goal was called back due to the play being offside. But I don't know. I mean, if you're the Stars and you're looking at this, I, I think you just say, you know, we kind of beat ourselves, taking the penalties and uh, just having uh, a three- or four-minute span there where we just did not play well. Uh, it's not to say the Lightning, you know, can't win this series. They clearly can. They've got the skills and the talent necessary to do so, but... Yeah, I couldn't help but notice that other than that, you know, three or four minute window, it looked to me like the Stars had the better of play. And it was a situation where the Lightning just kind of had to hold on. And sometimes that's what you have to do in hockey, especially in the Stanley Cup playoffs. You know, you might be back on your heels a little bit. you got to find a way to keep the puck out of your own net and just hang on for a tough one goal lead. So give credit to the Lightning for doing that. But yeah, my biggest takeaway from this was that it looked like the Stars might have had the edge, you know, overall. It was just really that three or four minute stretch that the Lightning, uh, you know, took control, took a three nothing lead. And hey, 
Kevin Shattenkirk, former New York Ranger, gets the game winner in Game 2. But that will do it for today, guys. Uh, once again, if you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. And definitely give us a follow on Twitter, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Once again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. And once again, if you would like to join our Fantasy Hockey League, definitely shoot me an email or send me a DM on Twitter. Spots are starting to fill up, but there's still time for you to secure your spots, so definitely reach out and do that as soon as you can. But that's it for today, guys. Thanks again for tuning in. I'll see you next time.